0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Can you be more Pacific on ABC
0: Radio Australia?
2: Fakalafalahi and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific where we talk all things sport across the Pacific and... Welcome to all our listeners in UAE. It's Constitution Day on the 19th of October. So happy Constitution Day to all you out there. And joining me, of course, is my co host, as always, Sarah Nangama. Welcome, Sarah.
0: Thank you. You missed introducing yourself. So this is Dean Halliday. Oh, did, did I not say my name? <laughs> That's so fine. I can fill the gap for you. There we go. Um, hey, Dean, how are you going?
2: I'm very well. Thanks, Sarah. How are you? I'm pretty well, actually. What are we are coming up in the next hour.
0: Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview that you covered with Chris Manimbi, and we have a new question for our favorite segment. You can ask that, but it's always essential for us to, you know, have a recap of our week. So, what's been happening in the world of Dean Hallitow?
2: Well, I had a um, I, I don't normally have stories, family stories. life is good, and um, obviously, Sydney and New South Wales has exited the lockdown period. So that's great. But um, I had a, something that, that happens that's happened to me a couple of times and people that, that are listening could probably relate to this. I'm not too sure if both of you can, but um, rubbish night is like when you you know, take your bins out <laughs> the night before yes. the rubbish truck comes. And if you forget rubbish night, it can be like really bad because your bins yep. are usually overflowing by rubbish night. Anyway, last week on rubbish night, I got home late and I went to bed um, and forgot about the the rubbish bins out the front. Yeah. Five o'clock, I hear the rubbish bin on the street next to me. And I don't know why, it always triggers me when I hear the the beeping sound of the truck. And I've gone, oh no. And I jumped up out of bed at five o'clock. My wife got really scared. She didn't know what I was doing. I said, the bins. (laughs) I ran out the front and I looked across the road. All the bin lids were open. I looked up the street next to me, all the bins, the bin lids are open. So I've missed it. And I'm standing out the front in my boxer shorts and nothing else with uh, my bins. bins. Scenes I turn up the left there 's a street about one hundred and fifty meters away. The bin the, the truck comes out of the the side street, and I went, oh, so I started running up the street oh no. dragging my bin
0: are you serious and
2: it was like the bin was half open because it was that full i 'm dragging my bin up the street <laughs> and i 'm sure that, that the truck driver seen me because he turned the corner and just took off straight away. <gasps> No, I reckon another two hundred meters up the road. I had to, I just kept running again. Did he's, you? Got to, he's got to stop and pick up the next few bins, so it's going to give me time to catch up to him. Oh. <laughs> this is five you, in the morning. You reek of desperation. And I'm. Well, I couldn't go another. We couldn't go another week with our bin the way it was. So anyway, <laughs> I caught up to him, and I put it. I, I had to. I, I put the bin next to the, the the next one that he was up to the next house. Oh my
1: god!
2: <laughs> I, I had to bend over. I was like breathing really hard. I looked up and he's laughing out the window at me. <laughs> But I got my bin out.
0: That is a sensational story. Yeah.
2: And now, this, this has happened to me a couple of times. Um, I reckon maybe four or five <laughs> times. The panic you get when you hear the beeping sound of the truck in the morning is so bad. <laughs> but I've realized that in a really, like, I don't know, I guess in a, in a bad situation, I'm springing to action. I'm ready to go.
0: I think that's amazing. You running down in your boxes with your Pongy bin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got any stories for us, Sarah, this week?
0: none that will that will top yours but um, I'm sure you've heard of the new Netflix sensation squid games have I have you?
2: heard it I've seen lots of posts about okay. it when yeah. I'm venturing into social media uh, and I've, I have heard of it
0: okay cool so last week um, as we, we spoke to Ben Kumbwai, who told us he was watching squid games so I kind of took some inspo from him and stuck myself in front of my TV watched the first couple of episodes wasn't buying into it but I have. I don't know if it's like a. It's not a fetish. Definitely not a fetish. But I have this um really soft spot. Oh sorry, real soft spot for old men. And there's a character in Squid Games, and he reminds me so much of my papa. And then like I don't want to, you know. Anyways, one of the episodes, it's really emotional. Like you know, characters that were there from the start. Like things happen. My boyfriend turns the TV off, and I am weeping. Like. Like, not like a, oh, that was really nice. Like, I am weeping. Like, I feel like I have a golf ball in my throat. (laughs) Like, I'm crying. I have to go sit on my boyfriend's lap. He has to, like, kind of console me. I was like, this is not fair. You know, and I just, Squid Game's like, no one told me the emotional toll it would take on me.
2: I'll have to get into it. Honestly, like, um, prepare yourself.
0: Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm triggered or if I'm just like... I don't know. There was just something about it, but I thought it was like Squid Games. Like, it's a Korean show. Like, I'm reading subtitles, and here I am weeping like I've really, really lost someone.
2: Well, note that down. It's a Emotional Roller Coaster Squid Game if you want to check it out.
0: Yes. Anyways, enough about me. There was some jam-packed sports on the weekend, starting with the QRL World Grand Final.
2: Yeah, they had their, their Grand Final on the weekend, the North Devils. We spoke to Ben Nkubuai, as you said before, and they played against the Winter Manly Seagulls. They won 16-10. to 10, So. Gee-hoo. Really big game. Um, ABC Grandstand covered it, of course. And Bojack, man of many skills, uh, called the game. And uh, it was a, a tight one. Lavaha Pulu, who uh, used to play for the Titans, played at the Warriors, he scored a try. And this is how it went.
1: Still two tackles left in the set. Levi back towards the eastern side. Has Roberts. Roberts done. He tries to go for the line. He's going to be pulled down about two metres short. Levi, switch of play, finding Pulu. Pulu's over. Pulu's getting the ball down. Is it a try? Yes, it is. The first four-point it goes to the North Devils.
2: How good. It was at Redcliffe as well, the, uh, the grand final. It sounded like a, a great atmosphere there. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was great for their, their season to, to come to a, an end and, and the, them get the grand final away and North Devils, proving that they were the better side on the day. Um, well done to the North Devils. Yeah, job well done. Across well, not across, but up in the northern hemisphere, there was another big grand final played, and it was in the Super League. Uh, there's some familiar faces playing in the Super League. Tell us about this result, Saz.
0: Yes, so in a Super League grand final, St Helens went up against the Cullen Dragons. The final score was twelve ten to St Helens. The familiar face you were speaking of is my big brother Kevin. Kevin Ngama. Um, look, I. I spoke to him earlier in the week in the lead up to the grand final, and he kind of was like, oh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see if we get the job done. I'm like, dude, who the hell are you kidding? Like you guys have won two years in a row. You guys are probably tipped to be hot favorites, but it was just really cool, um, to see the boys get up. And again, as you can see from that scoreline, it was really, really close. Um, but luckily for them, um, Kevin actually had a pretty good game. I reckon. I I think he did. Okay.
2: He did well. He did pretty well. Two tries and picked up the Harry Sunderland medal. So best player on the field. Um, it was really nice seeing him after the game too. He was pretty emotional.
0: Yeah. And that's what I really love about Kevin, like whether it's, you know, for club or it's on the international stage, like Kevin really does wear his heart on his sleeve. So it's really rewarding for us as a family as well, to be able to witness him, um, finish his career in the super league this way, as we know, he comes off contract this year. Don't know what next year looks like, but, um, I'm just really, really happy for him. Like St. Helens in all of my conversations with Kevin has been such a positive club for him um, and for his family. I guess it's really nerve wracking when you head across the globe, um, but they've, they've embraced him and I know it really breaks his heart to be, to, to leave this really fantastic community, but he's just so stoked that they could get the job done once more for for their fans,
2: as you mentioned, though three in a row for Saint Helens, what a successful period for them! And Crazy. he's been a big part of that. So well done, Kevin, and a number of ex NRL players that featured in that game. Uh, Catalans have actually French rugby league is on the up, and Catalans showing this year why they. Um, Well, they should be a part of the Super League. They've been there for a while now, but they pushed it all the way. They won the league leaders, so they finished at the top of the table at the end of the regular season. St. Helen's too good with that that grand final experience. And, yeah, really good result uh, for them and for your brother.
0: Chee-hoo. Come home now, Kevin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Over the ditch. That's what I was probably trying to say before, but across the ditch in New Zealand and the Silver Ferns took on the Aotearo men in uh, the netball three, best of three netball series that they're playing at the moment.
0: Yes, the Silver Ferns at the time of recording have played two test matches. The first one, uh, the Silver Ferns got up 58 to 47 and then the second one, which is freaking crazy, 59 to 58.
2: That's some tight netball.
0: Oh, Edge of your seat, kind of nepal
2: I wish we, I wish we had coverage of that here in Australia, because I would have loved to have to watch those games. Uh, the first one I, he- I heard was pretty physical. It was very, yeah, very, uh, yeah, very argy bargy type netball. Is that a, is that how you describe like physical Nepal Argy bargy. Is, is that fair? We'll go with that. Yeah,
0: let's go with argy
2: bargy. But the Silver Ferns showing their class by coming out on top and, and clinching that series in those first two
0: tests. Yeah, it's incredible, and they still have one more test to go again at time of recording. However, really, really good because the Silver fans have already secured the series. Well done. In place
2: again of the uh, the Diamond Series against Australia. Yes.
0: And last but surely not least, your favourite NFL. Give us a bit of a, an update of what's happening in this arena.
2: Yeah, well, the NFL went into Week 5, and uh, there's been, there has been some upsets. I can clarify there has been some upsets in the NFL, and um, – a team that that I that everyone's been watching and that's been pretty successful last few years, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they they are struggling at the moment and they lost again on the weekend to the Buffalo Bills, which was probably the match of the round in terms of where they sit in their conferences and in their divisions. Um, Kansas City, led by Patrick Mahomes, went down thirty-eight to twenty against the Buffalo Bills, who are led by Josh Allen, their quarterback. He had a huge game for them, so thirty-eight to twenty. But a couple of other games that I want to highlight are the Denver Broncos versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, a guy that we're keeping an eye on, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a wide receiver. He's part Samoan, and he's uh, proud part Samoan. plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got up 27-19. He, unfortunately... Uh, took a hit to his shoulder. He On his second catch of the day, he got hit pretty hard by one of the safeties and um, it looks as though he's, he's done some damage to his shoulder. So he had to leave the game early, but a really important win there for the Steelers. And another game that I want to draw our attention to is the New England Patriots, who are um, traveling okay in their division. They finished 25-22 to 22 over the Houston Texans. And a player that's... Um, Another wide receiver for them, Kendrick Bourne, he's uh, proven to be a bit of a mainstay. He gets like three or four targets a game, which is pretty good for a, for a wide receiver to be getting that many targets. So that means the quarterback's trying to hit him on one of his passes. Um, and he had, I think, three catches for the day as well. So he's going pretty good for the Patriots. So I guess that's, that's my wrap on the NFL for this week. I'm trying to get a little bit more into it. My fantasy teams, at the moment, I'm going pretty good. Go on, man. Four. Uh, I think I'm four from four this weekend. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's for what it's worth. I don't get anything out of it, but it's like, yeah, I'm beating people.
0: I'm just, I'm just watching you in awe. Speak about NFL with so much passion. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. But it's like in my head, there's like monkeys with symbols. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I probably don't do a good job of explaining because I'm only, I'm still really novice and amateur on it, but I love watching it. It's like because it's so physical and fast and hard and it like. It's very much like our rugby codes.
0: Nah, I I rate it. A for passion. Thank you. You're welcome. Talanoa Time on Can You Be More Pacific?
2: So this week for Talanoa time, we're very lucky to be joined by one of the most recent members of the Fijian Drill. It was an announcement that came out last week. They've been doing this really cool thing with the Drill where they've been announcing signings uh, periodically or over the weeks. And uh, it's building up a bit of excitement before they enter the competition, uh, the Super Rugby Pacific competition next week. Unfortunately, uh, we can't be joined by Sarah tonight. She's got some family commitments, and uh, I sound a little bit different because I'm actually recording this from my home. Chris is across at his home, uh, so hopefully uh, you get a a good shout-out of this. And uh, once again, we're lucky to be joined by Chris Manimbi. Chris, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on board. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get into the rugby side of things, it'd be uh, nice to get a little bit of background on whereabouts you come from because uh, we've got a, a really big audience over in the Pacific and um, much of that's made up of people from Papua New Guinea and also Fiji, which is um, pretty important to, to you. So if you want to dive into yeah, your background, where you're from.
3: Uh, yeah, like you said, um, I'm from Papua New Guinea originally. My father's from there. Um, I'm from the Highlands, uh, Mount Hagen. That's that's what I call home. Um, but my mum is Fijian. She's from the islands of uh, Kandav. Um, yeah, I've been living like the past seven years of my life here in Fiji, uh, in Suva. And this is where my rugby sort of took off. And this is home for me.
2: And in that time um, in Fiji, what, what's some of the, I guess, some of the differences uh, that you've experienced in moving from, from PNG over to Fiji?
3: Uh, honestly, culturally, there's not really that many. Um, you know, we are just like one people, uh, but obviously language was sort of a barrier for the first few years. Um, getting to understand how jokes are made here and how to mingle around and little traditional things, but all around sort of
2: the same thing. And in Fiji, uh, I understand you went to Marist Brothers, which is a bit of a nursery for rugby union and rugby league talent. Can you tell us what it was like to go to, to a school that's produced some, some world-class stars in both codes? Uh,
3: yeah, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a real breeding ground for, for um, you know, young boys who want to make something of themselves. And I was privileged enough to, to spend year 10 through the, my year 13 there. Um, it was a big, big part of my rugby, my rugby life, uh, my educational life. Um, yeah, it was a great experience, great teachers, great friends. And yeah, it was a big part.
2: And, and the rugby union career for yourself, or the rugby experience for yourself, when did that first start? When did you pick up a, uh, a rugby ball?
3: Uh, I don't know. I would have to go back to when I was like six or seven, playing touch with my cousins. But um, I, I think it really sort of I sort of got serious into it. Maybe when I was under seventeen, under eighteen, I started to, to try and crack the first fifteen for Marist, and that's why I sort of started putting in the extra effort. And yeah, it was, it's been a journey, but it's not that long, and I hope I have a lot more left.
2: <laughs> was there? Was there ever? And know, I, I always. I don't, it's not that I get in trouble for this, but this is something that Sarah and I always joke about. I'm the leaguey in the show. She's she's a rara or the Rugby Union person in the show. Was there ever a desire to play rugby league, seeing that you're from Papua New Guinea originally, which is, as we know, rugby league's a national sport over there and, and they go absolutely nuts for, for, for rugby league. Is that something that is on your radar or was on your radar at any time?
3: Uh, exactly. Like I said, um, I used to watch you play and I was a huge <laughs> league fan at the yeah, I used to love Billy Slater. I used to want to play uh, fullback. <laughs> Hopefully, one <day> <laughs> yeah,
1: man,
3: it was a full on It was the whole deal. Um, I love rugby league, you know, from when I was in PNG. But then coming over here and like Union is the game, and I sort of fell in love with it um, as time progressed.
2: So you've been lucky enough to represent Fiji at some at some younger age groups. Do you want to tell us about um, representing at the under twenties and and also the Warriors and for the Flying Fijians as well?
3: Uh, yeah, I was, I was, after school boys. Um, I was, you know, approached by coach Kelly, he's also a flying PG and, um, he, he came and he said, Hey, Chris, look, if you want to, if you want to, you know, take this and become a little bit more serious with it, uh, there's an untunny spot if you want it. And I said, okay. Uh, we went to Argentina. It was a great experience, great learning, uh, great environment, and, uh, you know, I, I sort of sat down with my mom and I was like, yo, I, I kind of want to see how far I can take this. Uh, she's always been, you know, hey, Chris, go to school, go to school, but yeah, after that, the 20 experience, I told my mom, look, I can keep doing school, but I really want to see how far this is, This can take me. And next year I did, I did Warriors and I was supposed to be Tui, but uh, COVID situation. And I was lucky enough to get a, a flying Fijian camp and uh, you know, now here, here. So yeah, it's been a journey, but it's been a blessing. <laughs>
2: And what about your mom? What's what's it been like for her to see you represent Fiji and um, play on the the international stage?
3: Uh, obviously, being Fiji, and she's always a uh, she's always a fan of it. Uh, she's so supportive. You no, know, I love how she is with me. Um, she's always she's a traditional uh, Pacific Islander mom. Make do your studies, uh, stay in <laughs> school. But yeah, she's been super supportive of me um, of me taking this journey. And yeah, I hope she's proud. That's all I can say. I hope. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sure she is, and uh, I guess that that brings us forward to to what we uh, spoke about in tr- in the introduction, and that's a Fijian and uh that will be taking part in the the Super Rugby Pacific competition in 2022. There must have been uh, a real thrill to be able to get the call up um, or to be named as a member of that squad.
3: Yeah, man, it was uh, it was a dream come true. Uh, you know, it doesn't really sink in, to be honest. Uh, I think it'll probably sink in once we hit base camp and the whole team is together. But
1: uh,
3: yeah, it was just. A uh, huge privilege, you know, like just yeah, <laughs> such a blessing.
2: And have you started preparations for that? I understand there's um, training sessions have been sent out uh, to players that are that are a part of that squad. Is that something that you've you've already picked up on starting the training and getting ready for that season?
3: Uh, yeah. So since October fourth, um we've reached like a certain threshold um, of like vaccination percentages, double vax percentages, and gyms have been reopened. So since October fourth, we've been training like normal you know gyms on the field and uh, we're now like second week now so
2: steadily going and what about uh positionally i know you said before that you uh had aspirations to be a fullback but i know that you're a forward and you, you play lock and and back row you're, you're a bigger guy so but you move around the field pretty well is that is that the position that you're uh you're aiming for with the drawer
3: yeah fullback definitely first <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, i mean it's never too late now. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a lock, lock flank. Um, unlucky, I, I grew a bit too big, but um, yeah, that's sort of. I, I love the position, you know. I like uh, being in the close spaces and getting into hit ups and the contact. So yeah, it suits me.
2: Well, one thing that we we do ask a lot of the athletes that we get on the show um, is is there any advice? And you you're still quite young yourself. You're only 21 years old, but is there any advice that you have for any young Fijians or any young Papua New Guineans out there that that are listening to the show and um, you know aspire to be a premier rugby player like yourself?
3: I don't know about premier, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the main thing is uh, just believe in yourself. Um, a lot of people are going to tell you that uh, you know you're dreaming too big, or you know you can't do this this way. Uh, you know, find people who who believe in your dream and. Ask them questions, especially people who who have done it before you. I'm lucky enough to be part of the HPU here, uh, the high-performance unit. And we've got people like Coach Bill, Coach Kelly, who I mentioned before, uh, who have been there and done that. They, they were flying Fijians themselves. Um, so yeah, ask questions. Uh, as Pacific Islanders, you know, it's, it's hard to admit that you don't know something because everybody gets the, you know, when you ask questions. But if you don't ask, you'll never know. So try to ask questions. Um, you know, be open to suggestions. Be open to criticism, and yeah, just believe in yourself. That's the main thing.
2: I, I really love that. That's a it's great advice, and it's something that you're right. A lot of Pacific Islanders that I've played with over the years are really reluctant to, to seek out how they can improve themselves and, and not knowing that that's what coaches actually want. They want players that will ask questions on what, what they need to improve on. And um, it's, it's really good advice. So yeah, all you young athletes out there, Chris has got some solid advice. Make sure you listen to that. Uh, look, before we, um, before we take off, I just want to uh, jump into this, this last segment that I mentioned to you, it's called our uh, tip on and it's going to be uh, 60 seconds worth of questions at rapid fire. So whatever comes to your mind, uh, fire out the answer and uh, we'll have a bit of fun with it. Okay, all right. Let's okay, your time starts now. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, Boardwalk Empire. I've been watching it on Netflix. Oh, nice to catch up. One. Uh, what was your first concert?
3: Um, I think I went to this is a PNG one. I went to go watch the Squatters. <laughs> a PNG person Get, will
2: know what. Nice, is. nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, who is your who is your most annoying teammate? Uh, can
3: Teviti Kaniveri.
2: Okay, okay, who you will be coming after you after this. Who is uh your sporting hero?
3: Uh, the locking pairs at the, the 2007 World Cup, and Ifri wrong. Nice, nice. What would your wrestler
2: entrance song be?
3: Randy Orton's,
2: that one. Okay, Ask
3: you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite movie as a kid? Uh,
3: Blood Diamond, it's pretty dark. Blood Blood Diamond.
2: Diamond. Yeah, good Blood movie, good movie. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a week straight? Pizza. <laughs> oh, pizza, too. <it's>, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. Uh, favorite place you've traveled to? Um, France. That was pretty cool. France, it's a nice country, France. Yeah. You'll get back over there soon, no doubt. Well, Chris, thanks very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific. It's been a pleasure to have you. We wish you all the best for next year as, as a representative for Fijian Drawer and for your, your future rugby career. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Dean. Thank you for having me. That was Chris Manimbi, uh, 21 years old, born in Port Moresby, PNG, but he's in Fiji, he's part Fijian, and he will be representing the Fijian drawer next year in the Super Rugby Pacific.
0: You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Well, up to our favourite segment, you can ask that. And basically, this is an opportunity for our listeners to ask either yourself, Dean, who is a former athlete, or myself, Sarah, a current athlete. <laughs> that's you. That's me. Um, any question, I guess there's uh, no boundary. Uh, but this week, we had a question that was sent in by Shirley. And you remember last week, the Panthers. They won the grand final.
2: They did. They lifted the trophy. They got their rings and they celebrated.
0: They really, really celebrated. And on the note of celebration, they shared it on their social media platforms. There were some reports in the news this week that uh, some ex-NRL greats or some people who have definitely earned the right for their voice to be heard don't believe that the boys have uh, behaved themselves. So Shirley has asked us, what do we think about the Panthers' behavior post-grand final, and I guess the alluding to the idea of them sharing their celebrations so openly on social media.
2: Yeah, and that's what a, a lot of people have been asking. Have they gone too far? You mentioned um, a, a former great of the club, Greg Alexander. He's spoken about them um, needing to pull their heads in. He thinks that they've gone too far on, on a few things. But it's an interesting one because when I, when I was younger and um, I was lucky enough to play in a, in a grand final, there was no phones yeah. or social media uh, around to share anything with Nelly drops Shock! Head.
0: It's like twenty twenty one, and you still don't have social Nelly media. Nelly so drops her head changed. to the desk,
2: like <laughs> you sound like you're about fifty or sixty years old. But it's the truth, like that. No one, no one was that keen to like get on their social media and share and show what we were doing. Like it was just we won the game, so we were there in each other's company, and it was just about us in the room that won it. So different time, and I guess. It is where we're at. Understand that the boys have profiles and, and they've got followings and they leverage that and, and whatever for their own benefit or just to share with, with the fans in general. Um, I agree that some of the carry-on has been pretty immature and childish, but that's what happens a lot of the time post uh, a celebration is mm. you, you sometimes are aided by alcohol and you act a little silly and immature and it's it's a bit of fun. But um, we never expected it to be broadcast across, across the world, which is what the Panthers are doing at the moment. I think a lot of it's harmless. There's a few things that um, definitely aren't harmless and that they shouldn't be sharing at all on, on social media. Uh, the desecration of the trophy the, uh, that's been spoken about and I don't know where that... Pushing that, in the pram? Yeah, pushing in the pram. Yeah, I think that's, that's off base, but I don't know where that is in terms of an NRL investigation around it. And mm. um, Yeah, what do you think, Sarah? Do you think they've gone too far with all their carry-on?
0: I mean, I think in short, yes, I do. I I also have noted from, you know, because I I love the Panthers and I love the personalities, like the Brian or the Stephen Crichton, like I love it all. However, it also goes to show with how public and how frequent they posted on social media. It also is a, a display of their maturity as well because I think of, I just kind of compare it to what I think if South Sydney took it and there are a lot of older players within that squad, I don't, necessarily believe that they would have been as open about their celebrations as the Panthers have been. I do get it though. Like they're super young. They're super excited. I mean, I'm 26 years old and I certainly get excited when I've like won a grand final, but in the same respect, every time without a shadow of a doubt, anytime we play and we know that we're about to, you know, enjoy ourselves with a couple of beverages, phones are a no go. Friends are absolutely a no-go and I think that the boys are almost a detriment to themselves or they've also put themselves in this position because they carried on so hard that they just wanted to share it with the world. And the thing is, because these boys, they're not just, they're not low profile athletes. Like they're premiership winners, our most frequent ones, and they've made made names for themselves. So I think it's gone a little bit too far. But at the same time, I can totally see them being like, well, we just want a grand final. So like, we actually don't care what anyone else thinks. So in that respect, I'm like, yeah, whatever, like enjoy yourselves. But at the same time, you know, you've given everyone or you've given critics, um, a reason to, to kind of taint your premiership win. And that's, that's what it
2: does. That's a danger, right? With, with having the phones, it's not that they're up to anything bad. It's just no. that every little thing is going to get picked at. And sure enough, when you're celebrating, like you say, with a few beverages, there's going to be things that pop up that can be criticized. And
0: yeah, I think you're right. That's what that's what's happened on this occasion. So in short, I guess my last question to you is, should phones be allowed or should athletes be like have access to their own social media accounts for at least a week after a grand final? Because that's where the most danger happens. Would you agree? Yeah, it's I, a week.
2: I think so. I think it's more about just Having, I don't know, having a bit of personal responsibility. You don't yeah. want to treat, treat people like kids, no. but generally when people have a few beverages and they celebrate, they act like kids. That's just human nature, I guess. But
0: like surely the club's like, we're tired of putting out these fires. Like, you know, and that's what, that's what tends to happen. Like it doesn't matter what code. It's always like that first week after a season wraps up, clubs are constantly putting out fires for their yeah. players.
2: But you're right, but there's some really good guys to follow in there that have good personalities and that are good people and that-
0: Isaiah Yo. Yeah, Isaiah. Yeah, <laughs> Love that guy. He's
2: not on social media. I haven't seen him once on social media. But Brian told, oh, he, he's returned to Sydney. I've seen him through the week. He returned to Sydney, and his post was in the car driving back into Mountie County, into Mount God. Druitt. So that's nice stuff that you want yeah. to see from from those guys. So yeah, good question, Shirley. I liked it.
0: Yeah, thanks, Shirley. Gary gem. So if you've got a question, uh, you can send it through to ABC Sport on Instagram stories every Monday or you can slide into our personal DMs. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Oh, my God. Woo! Can you be more Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific.
2: Still to come, we've got our favourite socials, we tackle some tough headlines in the ruck, and we listen to some music from a local artist this week coming from UA. So for Island Life this week, we're heading over to Tonga, where we're going to be chatting with Tavake Fungupo. He's an NRL game development manager, uh, and he's going to tell us all about the League for Life program that they run, and a little bit about himself. So welcome, Tavake. Hi,
1: Sarah. Dean.
2: So Tavake, can you tell us all about the League for Life program?
1: Yeah, so yeah, my name is Dalai Kwanpoa, so from from here in um, being here The programme was established here in 2015, the League for Life programme. We pretty much uh, run our programme in all the primary schools in the main island and also the outer islands in Wawa'u, and Ewa. Uh, uh, probably 85 primary schools that we look after. We run a 10-lesson um, programme, so we sort of uh, changed the context a little bit to the uh, Australian model where we've... Um, um, change it just to work with our young kids. So the program is a mixture of uh, physical activities uh, and nutrition um, and some um, tackle bullying that we've applied in our program, uh, as well as some um, some footy um, games that we play with kids. But yeah, it's kind of, uh, we've got a small team here in Toma, but uh, growing and, uh, and we do a lot of work with the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Sport and, um, and the Ministry of Health.
0: With um, all the programs that you guys have going on at the moment, it would take such a huge shift. I'm intrigued to know how many people um, currently make up the team that's driving this program within these schools.
1: Yeah, so we have a team of eight, eight here in total four uh, four guys and four females. Um, we all sort of uh, share the load on the workload on the work that we do. Um, normally we partner up male and female going out to the primary schools and the islands. Uh, but, yeah, so there's eight of us.
0: That's awesome. And how important is culture um, in driving these programs? You know, being in the Pacific Islands, life is a little bit different to how it is here in, in Australia. So um, I guess also being of Pacific heritage, does it make it a bit easier driving these programs in school, knowing that you know how to communicate with these kids or how to kind of get them on the same page?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I, I grew up in New Zealand, a uh, little of my life there. So I've lived here 10 years now. And so uh, growing up in New uh, uh, you know, from New Zealand and living in Tonga, uh, you know, just uh, learning from these young kids and also just um, trying to give back the most you, that we can uh, with the information that we that we um, can provide to these kids. Um, you know, a lot of these um, places that we go to are remote. And so a lot of these kids have never seen um, people come out and visit them. So when they see the NRL team come over and, uh, um, you know, share this, share information, play games and activities, they're uh, very excited. And, um I think we're just um, glad that the NRL has been able to sort of um, provide these uh, community outreach programs um, to the specific community here in Tonga. Um, without that, it would be very yeah, hard.
2: You mentioned the appeal of having an NRL staff member or yourself uh, go out to a school and deliver a program. It, it, it definitely resonates with the kids. Do you feel like that has grown since uh, the emergence of Matamata Tonga and, and their success that they've had on the international stage?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, uh, since the World Cup 2018, I think every school winter they thought we brought Jason Tom all of us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they took our program to the next level, uh, where the the NRL branding itself got more recognised. Uh, Tom was 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 a more dominant rugby uh, nation here, uh, but with the success of the team in 2017 and and more of the now that. Uh, the NRLs play played free air here in time, um, all the games. And so that's uh, really, um, you know, uh, helped us with uh, the program and um, using NRL as a, as a tool, as a sport, to deliver nutrition and physical activity programs to help these young kids.
0: I love that because we all know, particularly in this studio, that sport can be used as a vehicle to to drive awareness and and, um, teach the community or teach kids like that some important life um, lessons and skills. Um, You know, COVID has come into the world and has rocked everyone's lives in one way or another. How has the program managed um, to stay afloat or continue to operate during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, fortunately, Tom has been very lucky that um, COVID hasn't hasn't come into the country, but... uh, last year when things sort of came to a halt um the education had just closed down schools and and, and the country and so um myself and the team were sort of wondering what we we're going to do so we we still came to the office and and so we just ended up um, creating uh, videos um, and we, we formed a partnership with DigiTV uh, tv and the local tv station and pretty much put our program on tv for the year and so uh, we were really fortunate to be able to do that
2: your own background, where, where did you get started in, in rugby league? Did you play when you were younger? Is it something that uh, you've always, always had a passion for or um, is it something that you you've sort of worked a different way into becoming a, an NRL game development manager?
1: Yeah, I've always played rugby league back in New Zealand. Um, yes yeah, so, we'll, um, you know, yeah, so I've always played rugby league. I kind of moved here, as I mentioned, just over 10 years ago and I was um, strength and conditioning um, coach for the uh, Thailand national team. And then um, in 2015, when uh, they first set up base here in Tonga, I was approached to come on board. So I was um, yeah, I was very blessed and grateful to, to give them that opportunity of a sport that I've loved and played all my life. And, um, yeah, still here.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. It's pretty special to hear that you can do such important work um, in the islands as well. I know it's not an opportunity that just anyone can get. So I'm a little bit jealous of you, Tabake. But uh, enough <laughs> about me. Yeah. Um, with a program like League for Life, which is so so crucial, particularly for um, what life is like in the islands, for any Tongans that are listening listening in, um, is there any way that they can get involved to to kind of lend a helping hand?
1: Yeah, I, I think for us here in Tonga, I think um, for our League for Life program, a big part of our program is is nutrition um, and, and, and and physical activity. So. It's just uh, you know um, creating that awareness and, and changing the mindset of a young you know, of our young youth. I mean, uh, you know, with the cost of living here, it's quite expensive, and so you've got rural, uh, terrible foods that they sell at the local Chinese stores, or noodles, and you know foods that uh, the kids tend to eat all the time. We're we're trying to um, encourage them to eat healthier foods like the coconut, pores and, and, and the watermelons, they are just as good and give you a lot more nutrition. And, yeah, just, you know, just trying to, um, you know, sow those messages in the kids when they're a lot younger and, and people from the outside can support that by just uh, encouraging our young Tongan and Pacific kids to um, continue eating eating healthy and um, and uh, staying safe.
2: Well, Tawaka, thank you very much for <laughs> you taking much. your time out to, to join us. Uh, this evening and some really good messaging uh, through the program League for Life. Good luck with the continuing work that you do in the islands, uh, in particular in Tonga, and um, hopefully uh, we can get to speak to you again sometime.
1: Yeah, likewise. Yeah, thanks, uh, Dean, Sarah, and uh, Rinald for the opportunity and um, appreciate your time, guys.
0: That was Tabake Fangopo. He is an NRL game development manager based in Tonga. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social.
2: All right, this is a, an area that I'm an expert in, social media. Keep Biggest it expert. social. <laughs> so we, we dish up our favorite social media from the week, uh, from sporting clubs, from athletes, wherever it comes from. Sarah, what's your one for this week?
0: My one this week comes from Ruby Toy. She is a New Zealand female rugby player, and she's just so – bloody funny. Anywho, she took to TikTok early this week. Last week, there was the Waikato versus Canterbury final, which is um, the women's final in the Farrah Palm Cup. Again, played in New Zealand. And um, their number 15, Tanika Wilson, was setting up to convert a try. And basically, as she was stepping up towards her tee, the ball fell off the tee. Um <laughs> But, what's great about it is the audio that was played on top of it, um and it just it just creates the scene, right? So like she's obviously clearly anticipating to like kick this ball over, but before she gets there, it knocks over. and so Ruby, I guess like kindly took the piss out of her and it yeah. was pretty <laughs> fabulous. And it went like- Young Ali. <laughs>
1: What's the rule there?
0: <sighs> Why would you ask me that? Because you're
1: a rugby player.
2: <laughs>
0: Okay, hold me accountable. I will come back next week and I'll report the okay. ball because what you'll see in the footage is that the players rush, which you can do. You can rush off the line. Um, but then if the ball falls off, they're, they're all cheering. So there must be some kind of penalty awarded for yeah, not it. not too sure. Have you ever rushed a kick and actually got it? I'm too tired to rush a kick. <laughs> <laughs> Honest. Like there are people in my team that I'm like, I just know they're going to rush a kick. But, you know, I'm just like so tired from doing so much work that when it comes to time to sit underneath the, the goalpost, which isn't often. I'm catching my breath.
2: Yeah. That's a hero run, isn't it?
0: That's like, that's high speed meters right there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When can you actually leave to rush the kick? As soon as they start to move As soon as they start to move, you can rush.
0: Um, So you can check that footage out on Ruby Toys TikTok. What about you, Dean? Did you finally get to pick up your phone, dust, uh, sorry, wipe the dust off it? Yeah. Download an app?
2: Yeah. Instagram it's called.
0: Instagram. You got, yeah, you got on to Instagram. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah,
2: I look, my favourite this week comes from the South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, unsuccessful in their bid for a premiership last weekend. But um, Mark Nichols, who's proved to be a bit of a character for them this year, he got the opportunity to captain them throughout the year. And um, he gave a, a great speech to his team as the skipper. We highlighted this on our Keeping It Socials. Uh, a little while ago, but uh, he actually got Clubman of the year at the South Sydney Red and Green Ball, they call it. I don't know if it was actually a red and green ball this year, because it was a little bit different, been up in Queensland. Um, but yeah, the speech that he delivered was, was awesome again. He just um, took, took the mickey out of himself, had a bit of a laugh at himself. Um, but yeah, they, they think he's got the, um, the speeches down pat now, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I've spent most of my career trying to fly under the radar, and um, this year's been a bit unexpected, I've um, had to start games, I've had to captain the club,
1: (laughs) I've had to score tries, I've had to give speeches,
2: Um, again tonight I've got to give a speech, but um, yeah, big honour to get this award um, while presenting it, Clubman of the Year, such a special club, Um, so yeah, I'd like to thank everyone. Everyone sort of said it tonight. Thanks to the NRL for getting us up here. Thank you, um, especially my beautiful partner, but also all the beautiful partners that come up here and did what they did.
0: Aww. He's all class, that man.
2: Sweet, funny. He's, he's a good leader. I know he's a, he's a great player and all, uh, from what I'm told, I don't really know him at all, but from what I'm told, he's a pretty popular character amongst the group and just showed it there with another great speech. Well done, Mark.
0: Well done Mark and well done Dean. Like you've been really strong with your picks for the week.
2: Yeah, I may have had some assistance with some areas, but I did I did see that myself. Our producer (laughs) Nelly. I did see that one myself, but it was just a little tip on as well. Thanks, Nelly.
0: No, I love that one. In the rut Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be
2: More Pacific. We've got some big things to talk about in the Ruck this week. We'll start off with rugby, and the Wallabies have a spring tour coming up. They've made some changes.
0: Yes, they announced their squad uh, late last week, and... I'm a little bit shocked. I mean, first of all, let's just say there's 36 players and the breakdown of it is we have 10 Brumbies, six Reds players, six Waratahs, six Rebels, three Western Force. And the most exciting thing is we have six overseas players coming back into the Wallabies folds. Some big names among the likes of Will Skelton, Rory Arnold, um, Latu, huge names. But yes, while that's exciting, I'm actually a little bit disappointed in the people that have been left out.
2: Who have they, who have they left out that, you, that, have, that have surprised you?
0: Uh, So I guess it's worth noting that Harry Wilson, Fraser McRite and Noah Lolisio have all been left out. And the one that I kind of want to draw in on is Noah Lolisio. So we know that he was an absolute star in the French series, you know, quite like quite like Quaid, he kicked two penalty goals. Quaid Cooper comes back into the fold. You know, as the story goes, uh, Quaid was really looking after Noah, like giving him a lot of direction and guidance. He gets his first whiff, QC, sorry, gets his first whiff at the rugby championships and we don't see Noah again and now they're going off to a spring tour and he stays home.
2: Well, it looks as though Dave Rennie's brought in, brought back in some experience So, and then leaving out young guys and up-and-comers like Noah is maybe a, a sign of where he thinks they should be I guess, preparing for next year's World Cup in, in terms of having an ex- a balance of experience with some guys that have been there before uh, or young guys in the squad. And um, you mentioned Will Skelton coming back in, uh, as uh-huh. well as Rory Arnold, Tolu Latu as well. So it looks like there's the effort there is to try and balance the squad out with some experience and some old, harder heads, I guess.
0: Yeah, and when Dave Rennie um, talked to Presto, I guess – explain his, his squad selections. He said about Noah, quote, with Noah, he needs to put a little bit of muscle mass and deal with the physical nature of having to defend at 10, who work on getting more explosive in acceleration, trying to get more distance in his kicking game, and this is going to give him time to do that. I just am like, I know, I know you're kind of looking at me with like a grin on your face, but I just, I really feel for Noah because I'm like, you can't, I mean, you can because he did, it did happen to him. But I just think like this is the opportunity to take him alongside um, the Wallabies to, to learn what it's like to play at that intensity, to travel as often as they do quick turnarounds. Like, I don't know, I think that they're forfeiting them the opportunity to equip Noah to be the 10 that they want him to be because truth of the matter is he's got a lot of time left in the game. QC, jock yes, but like not so much. I don't know. I'm just really I get, and I get your
2: point. It, it, if he's the future of uh, the Wallabies at number 10, or if he's in there, at least in their minds for that role, then a tour is, even if he doesn't get a lot of game time, a tour is really helpful in terms of getting to understand that um, day in, day out, being on tour, what you have to do, um, being around those guys that can teach him as well. I, I see the value in that, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a selective for Australian rugby, so yeah, true. What, what weight does what I say uh, carry?
0: Or myself. <laughs> um, but, anywho, regardless, I'm really excited to see the spring tour happen. Really good to see those six international players come back into the Wallabies fold. I think we're heading in the right direction um, in the lead-up to World Cup. But, firstly, we've got the Women's World Cup next year, but that's for another story for another day. <laughs> but, in women's rugby... The Farah Cup finals happened.
2: Yeah, across New Zealand, Waikato beat Canterbury twenty-two to twenty, which was the first time I think Canterbury lost in three years. I think four. Four years. Yes. There you go. So, uh, well done to Waikato. And then in the well, this is a this is like the second division. It's almost got yes. like the same name. It's the Farapama Palmer Championship. Championship. Um, but Manawatu Cyclones beat Hawks Bay uh, two e's. It was fifty-five to twelve. So that was a pretty convincing win for Manawatu.
0: I'm pretty sure we touched on it last week, but Super Rugby, um, Old Picky will begin in 2022, so that'll become the premier 15s competition for women in New Zealand. I think this is a fantastic opportunity because they lead on the 7s and 15s front, so great to see the girls get an opportunity to develop themselves out to the next level of the game. Speaking of rugby, Fiji's World Cup plans in Fiji and drill. There's a bit of an update there.
2: Yeah, well, uh, the announcement was that the Fijian Drua will be a pathway into the Flying Fijians, into their, um, their senior national squad, uh, which is really good. Having the Drua play in the Super Rugby competition next year is going to give players a lot more exposure to high-level um, games, I guess, and, and competition, and that's going to put them in really good stead leading into a World Cup. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've said that, that Fijian rugby has said that they're definitely looking on pulling those players through that as a pathway system.
0: Love us a pathway
2: pathways are good. Staying with Fijian rugby players, there's some news uh, for the Waratahs.
0: Yes, Luke Ndurutalo, who has been, or oh, who is a rugby league player and has been training alongside Penrith Powerhouses Upsaya Kurosawa and Bill Kakao, um, will be training with the New South Wales Waratahs.
2: Yeah, well, well done to him. He's been playing the previous six seasons with St Mary's, which is a feeder club into Penrith in the New South Wales Cup. Um, so it's great that he's at at, a, at the ripe old age of 29, he's got an opportunity to change codes, to have a crack training with the TARS, and hopefully, um, if he impresses throughout the, the pre-season, the off-season pre-season, and then um, yeah, gets a crack at Super Rugby next year, that'd be great to see. It'd be a good story.
0: Yeah, it absolutely would be. And he played in the Shoot Shield with the Hunter Wildfires, which, again, is a site that's located up in Newcastle. And I, I have vivid memories, because as we you know, or if you don't know, I play for Sydney University, so... Uh, Hunter and Sinuni, both shoot-shield clubs, went up there, and there's such a strong Fijian presence within the Hunts region, and I love it. So, again, it's a really huge opportunity, the fact that he gets a foot in with the New South Wales Waratahs. If he impresses, he'll join another Fijian powerhouse, Rabonio Vosiado for next season. So, hashtag up the Fijians. Oh, well, wait, hang Luke. on, and up Tars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good luck, Luke. And lastly, for this week in the Ruck, we have some news out of Vanuatu. They have made... Well, they're going to make a bid um, for the 2027 PAC games, Pacific games. That'd be great to see Vanuatu get that opportunity. They have hosted the mini games in the past, back in 1993 and 2017. So they feel like there's uh, a bit of a track record there for hosting uh, games. And and they they feel like they've also got the the infrastructure, which was built way back in 93, but uh, refurbed in 2017.
0: Yeah, it'd be really cool to see a small nation like Vanuatu host um, such an iconic uh, event on the calendar for Pacific nations. So, I guess we just have to watch this space. But they're really excited at the prospect of being able to host. it, what it would mean for their businesses, what it mean for the community as well, right? Like people coming in to watch, it, it'll be huge. So, let's watch this space and see what happens.
2: We should really go across and cover that.
0: I would love to. Yeah. In a COVID willing world, now nah, screw it, we'll sell there for twenty twenty seven. No, nah, we'll we'll definitely we'll be, be right. clear then. Imagine that. Actually,
2: is open now, isn't it?
0: Yeah, December. They're going to take people.
2: Okay. We've got some- um, um,
0: Nick, if you're listening to this, uh, you have two very keen hosts who are ready to take yeah. this show wherever you need
2: it to Do go. some field work. We're going to do some field work.
0: Yeah. Get get in the community. Immerse ourselves. Love it. I think we sold ourselves. <laughs> Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Looking forward this week, there is not as much as we normally have on the calendar, but there's still some sport happening.
2: Yeah, well, we're entering cricket season. We have entered cricket season, I should say. It, it began already, but um, the T20 World Cup is taking place, and Papua New Guinea Barramundis are uh, a part of that. So it's going to be exciting to to see them and how they progress through that tournament.
0: Yes, their first fixture is against Oman on Sunday, um, and then they have Scotland and Bangladesh also in their pool, so this is pretty exciting.
2: Go the Barramundis.
0: Off the pitch and on the court, the NBA season is due to start on Tuesday, the 19th of October, which is huge. Do you have any... I don't know. Do fantasy leagues work in basketball? No, they do.
2: Fantasy league is is big in basketball. I don't play it. I've got some friends that play. You got a lot of friends nerd, that play a lot all of my nerd friends that play fantasy <laughs> yes, sports. That's exactly
0: what I was going to say. You know
2: what? The best thing about it is it keeps it keeps you engaged in like watching the sport. That's probably and
0: it comes off every time that you have to give a sport update because you give really detailed responses.
2: Detailed, you bring, accurate, maybe lacking, but detailed. you bring the
0: knowledge and I bring the humor. Perfect mix. <laughs> and that you have a radio show you got
2: got lots of lots of humor compared to me (laughs) but yes the nba kicks off on tuesday the 19th of october and a player that we like to keep an eye on is stephen adams the kiwi tongan who previously played for the oklahoma city thunder spent a season or last season at the new orleans pelicans and now he's at the grizzlies so we will keep an eye on him love watching the nba and fun fact about stephen adams
0: He comes from a star-studded family. So on this show, we've spoken at great lengths about the Olympian Dame Valerie Adams, who won bronze at the Olympic Games in Shopport, and her sister is the Paralympic gold medalist Lisa Adams. All I'm saying is this family is blessed with incredible sporting genes.
2: A bit like your family. You've got some strong athletic genes in your family.
0: I was actually hoping you would say that. Yeah. (laughs) ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific?
2: Well, that's all we have time for, unfortunately.
0: Oh, man, I hate this part. I really enjoy spending time with you, Dean. But tall all of our listeners, we'll be back same time, same place next week.
2: Yes, we will. If you miss the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. It's all okay.
0: well, here. Bye Can You Be More Pacific, an ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia.
2: This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.